0: Well, it's wonderful to have you with us this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Ben, and I am the vicar here at St. Thomas's. It's wonderful to see you here today. And hopefully, you're picking up, if it's your first time here or you're just checking out church, what is important to us here at St. Thomas's. We love telling other people about Jesus. We think that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the best news worth sharing. We love to worship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we love to read the Bible together. We think the Bible is the source of all that we need to um, know about God. It doesn't um, doesn't necessarily just tell us what to do, but it tells us who to follow. And it gives us the good news that salvation comes not by us trying harder and harder, but by us receiving what Jesus did on the cross and in rising to new life for us. And so we're going to open the Bible together now. So if you have got one, if you could turn to Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verse 5, Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another have the very same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. As I said, it is so good to have you with us today, whether you are at church for the thousandth time or whether you're here at St Thomas's for the first time, whether you would call yourself a follower of Jesus or perhaps you're a complete and total sceptic and a friend has just dragged you along today. Whatever your story, whatever your background, you are so welcome here. A particularly warm welcome to you if you're here because you grabbed a free slice of pizza outside the front of church last week and you decided to try church today. We're so pleased to see you if that is you. Now perhaps this is your first time hearing the Bible read or perhaps you've heard this particular passage read hundreds and hundreds of times. People have often said about this passage from Philippians 2 that if the Bible were a mountain range, this would be its highest peak. This is the Everest, if you like, of all of Scripture. It contains so much of the splendour and the glory of God. And the reason I think that people describe it in those terms is look at what Paul wrote in verse 5 have the same mindset as Jesus. In other words, in this passage, we're not just reading a description of who Jesus is, we're actually getting a glimpse into the very mind of God. We're getting a glimpse into the mind of the person of Jesus. And as you know, Jesus is the person that has shaped history more than anybody or anything else. The whole of history revolves around the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you want to get a little glimpse into the mind of God, then you've come to the right place. And we're looking at the right passage this morning. Have the same mindset as Jesus. Now, church, we want to be conformed, don't we, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It is often said, if you sow a thought, so you think something, then you'll reap an action. And if you sow an action, you'll reap a habit. And if you sow a habit, you'll reap a lifestyle. And it all begins with our thoughts. Our thought life is so important. And so when Paul says here in verse 5, have the same attitude as that of Jesus, an attitude is a set of thoughts that determine the way that we respond in any given situation. My attitude towards Dan, for example, will determine the way that he responds to me in any given situation, whether good or bad what I think about how I spend my money will determine what I do in any given situation related to finances. And so if we're to have the same mindset as Jesus, if our thoughts sow an action and the action reap habits and habits reap a lifestyle and it all begins with our thoughts, then our attitude about Jesus is one of the most important things. So let's get a little glimpse into the very mind Of Jesus into his mindset. So we'll work through these passages together and then we're going to try and apply them to us as a church community and as individuals as we follow Jesus together. So, verse 6 Jesus, who in being very nature God. Now, what Paul is saying here in the most emphatic terms is that Jesus Christ is God. If you want to know who God is, then you've got to look at Jesus. Jesus himself proclaimed this throughout his ministry. He was always telling the Pharisees or the crowds or the disciples, he was either explicit or implying that he was the the eternal God, that he had always existed. This is why the religious leaders had him killed. In the beginning, John's gospel starts with, in the beginning was the word and the word was, was with God and the word was God so when Paul says Jesus who in very nature was God was equal with God what he means is this that everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus and therefore Christians have always said if you want to know Who God is, look at Jesus. If you look at Jesus, you see exactly who God is. Now the next part of this verse, he did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. That's what it says in the NIV. Some translations translate this verse like this, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped or seized. Now, why on earth it doesn't really make sense, does it, if Jesus is God? Why would Paul say that? Why did Jesus not need to grasp or seize equality with God? Well, the reason that Jesus didn't need to grasp or seize equality with God is because it was already his. You don't need to grasp or seize at something that is already yours. If I want this jacket, for example, I don't have to grasp and seize at it and try and wrestle it off somebody else because I'm already wearing it. It's already mine. If I like the look of James's jacket or, or a jacket um, a little bit more, I would have to grasp and seize at it because it's on James. Jesus didn't have to grasp or seize at it because it already belonged to him. And so he could choose to give some of this stuff up and we'll look exactly at what he gave up in just a moment. Now, contrast that with the way that human beings behave. We have spent the whole of human history trying to seize or grasp equality with God. It was the very first sin, wasn't it, in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve wanting to be on the same level as God. We've built towers to reach to the heavens. We've built civilizations with the sole aim of controlling the population. Some people even declare themselves to be God. We've seen this throughout human history. Some world leaders, even today, their people worship them as if they were God. Our politicians have to be removed from power because they can't willingly give it up. They have to grasp and seize at something that is not theirs. And if we're honest with ourselves, all of us do this a little bit in our own lives. We all want to play God. We do it through manipulation. We do it through power, through control, through money. We've got a pretty good track record of doing it through religion. Lots of religious worldviews are just a way to control and manipulate people. We even sometimes fall into the pattern of our own lives of trying to manipulate and control God. God, if I do this for you, then will you make sure you do this for me? Or if I just work hard enough, surely you'll let me in on the last day. But Jesus didn't grasp or seize. He didn't have to. It was already his. Instead, he willingly gave it up. Look at verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. Some translations say that he emptied himself. In other words, he poured himself out until it was all gone. But what did Jesus empty himself of? Well, in John 17 verse 5, Jesus was praying to the Father and he prayed this. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. He was emptying himself of his glory. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Paul would write that Jesus emptied himself of all of his riches. He wrote this, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich now if this was me or you how hard would we find this to do we, if we were the, if we had all of this glory and all of this all of this heavenly treasure and wealth how difficult would we find it to give all of that stuff up and yet jesus christ did it do you know any other king any other world leader or any other person that claims to be God that would do this. Jesus took off his heavenly crown and for a moment exchanged it for a crown of thorns so that we might be rich, so that we might know Jesus's glory. Look at verse, the next bit of verse seven. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Notice how the same words, Jesus was in very nature God, is now taking the very nature of a servant. Exactly the same phraseology used. Jesus, who is fully God, becomes fully man. Jesus, who has all of the attributes, divine attributes of God, takes on the attributes of humankind. Now, this is really important. It means that God is not just a theological construct. It means that God is not just an intellectual idea. It means that God is not just some old guy in heaven who is waiting for you to work your way up to him or to find him. God, in Jesus, came to you. You don't have to work your way up to him. You don't have to go and find him because Jesus came to find you. And because Jesus became fully man, it means that everything that we go through, God has gone through in the person of Jesus. Jesus was born. He grew up. He laughed. He celebrated. He went to parties. He went to weddings, just like all of us us do. But also, as we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus wept. He cried. Jesus knows what it is to be lied about, to be lied in front of, to be lied to. Jesus knows what it is to be abandoned. Jesus knows what it is to be tempted, to be hungry, to be tired, and to be thirsty. So whatever it is that you're going through right now, whatever it is that you're going through right now, the God that Christians worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the God that understands and gets what you are going through. And so we're not just worshipping some divine being who's all power but doesn't know what's going on. He knows exactly what you are going through. Now, why would he do this? Why would the eternal God, Jesus Christ, empty himself of glory and become man? Why would God do that? Why would Jesus do that? Well, if you look at verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself, being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now this is just incredible. Not only did Jesus give up his position in heaven and take on our nature, but he chose to die on a cross for you, and for me. Jesus lived a perfect life, the life that we could never live, and he died the death that we should have died. He went to the cross in our place. In other words, he lost all of his glory so that we might know it. He lost all of his glory so that you could be showered and covered in it. And this makes Jesus the only king worth following. Why is it, do you think, that millions upon millions of people throughout history have submitted themselves to the lordship of Jesus? Why is it that people take Jesus at his every word? Because he's a king who's not just all-powerful, but also, all, all loving because he humbled himself for us. If King Charles III were to walk in right now um, and he asked us to do something, I suspect that most of us would do it just because of his position and his authority and his constitutional power. But we don't just submit to Jesus because we have to, we submit to him because he humbled himself for us. And therefore we don't just submit to him because we have to, but we can submit to him knowing that he loves us and that we can fully trust him. Tim Keller put it like this. Jesus is not just a king, he's a king on a cross. If he were only a king on a throne, you'd submit to him just because you have to. But he's a king who went to the cross for you. Therefore, you can submit, submit to him out of love and trust. And this means coming to him and not negotiating, but saying, Lord, whatever you ask, I will do. Whatever you send, I will accept. And when someone gave himself so utterly for you, how can you not give yourself so utterly for him in return? Jesus is worth following because he's that king. He's not just the king on a throne, but he's the king who hung on the cross. Now, because of all of this, look at the next few verses. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus humbled himself to death on a cross, therefore God has now exalted him to the highest place. Because Jesus is that king, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Because of all of that, Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And every tongue will one day confess that Jesus is Lord. And so let me just ask you two very simple questions today. Does your knee bow before the name of Jesus Christ? And does your tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Lee said last week that we don't get a choice whether we worship or not. The only choice that we get is who or what we worship. We all worship something, whether it be our bank accounts, whether we put our trust in politicians, whether it's we get our sense of affirmation and well-being from how our football team is supporting, we all worship something or someone. But let me ask you this. Will your bank account give up all of its glory and die for you? Or your football team? Or the politicians that we're trusting in? No. The only person who would ever do that is Jesus Christ. He's the only person worth following. Now lots of us have just arrived in the city to study. And um, over the next two or three years, or however long you're here, maybe five, six, seven for some of you, you're going to be assessed all of the time, which is fine. That's the point of university. Um, God is not like some examiner who sits up in the sky and marking us out of a scale of 1 to 10 every single day. It's not the Christian life is either pass or fail depending on our good works. It's not that we somehow have to work our way up to God's standard to have equality with God. It's even better than that. It's even better than that. Jesus came to find us so that we may be elevated up with Jesus that we may be found in Jesus and so everything that belongs to Jesus becomes ours anyway and it's a free, undeserved, unmerited gift we don't have to work for it we don't have to strive for it it's a free gift and we get covered in all of God's glory anyway Now, what does this mean for us as we sit here in St. Thomas's today, as we start out on this new adventure in the city centre together? It's our second Sunday here um, in this building for those of you that have just joined. Well, our vision statement here at St. Thomas's is this to be a people that follow Jesus, build community, and love Newcastle. What does this mean for us as we follow Jesus together? Well, perhaps you're here today and you've found the last few weeks pretty hard. Perhaps you've just started a new season of life. You've just moved into a new home or started a new job or course. Perhaps you're finding it all pretty overwhelming. Well, that Jesus became man, fully God and fully man. As I say, he knows exactly what it is that you're going through. In fact, more than that, he not only just knows what you're going through, but he promises to go through it with you. Jesus said that he will never leave or forsake you. And so for some of us, if we're already feeling a little bit homesick, or we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed at whatever life has thrown at us over the past few weeks, Jesus promises to be with you. And that makes all of the difference. Perhaps, at the moment, you know Jesus is asking you to do something. i are still thinking about following Jesus here, but you really don't want to do it. Perhaps it's something to do with a lifestyle choice. Not doing something that everybody else in your halls of residence is doing. And you're going to find, you know that you're going to find that pretty tough. Well, as I've said, you can submit to Jesus, not just because you have to but you can submit to him out of love and trust because he went to the cross for you. And therefore you can know that it's the very best thing that he's asking you to do. One preacher that I really like to listen to occasionally is a Yorkshire guy called Leonard Ravenhill. And he was a a bit of a revivalist preacher in the early part to the middle part of the 20th century. And on his gravestone, it just has his name the date that he was born, the date that he died, and then a quotation. And it just it's from one of his sermons, and it just says, Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? Are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? That's a challenging... That's, that challenges me every time I hear it but it's not meant to it's not meant to make me feel guilty it's a reminder to me that i can submit to jesus because he's true and trustworthy and loving jesus is with us by his spirit he knows what we're going through and we can trust him because he is good and he loved us so much he went to the cross for us secondly building community remember paul is writing this letter in philippians to a community just before the verses that we read, he says to this community, this little church that he'd planted just a few years earlier, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And it's in that context that he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Church, we should be praying that we're a community that participates in the life of Jesus. And that means that we don't grasp or seize for power, whether that be hard power, relational power, soft power, whatever it might be. Instead, we're called to take on the same mindset as that of Jesus and prefer the other. To put each other first. To think the best of one another. That in our relationships with each other, we would humble ourselves. Wouldn't it be amazing if every single Sunday when we woke up, we think we thought, or every, or every Tuesday or Wednesday night, or whenever it is that your small group happens, and you know that you're meeting with people from church, you were thinking, My gosh, I get to wait, I'm waking up today and I get to go to church and prefer all of these other people. I get to put them first. I know that I'm going to meet James and Lucy and it's going to be amazing and we're going to be able to worship together and I'm going to be able to practice humility and put in them first every single Sunday. What kind of a community would that create if we were to put this into practice? How attractive would that be to a city that desperately needs to see humility and relationships practiced like that? Where all we see is just people grabbing for power and people grabbing for position and people grabbing for... Privilege. If we could do the opposite and serve one another, submit to one another, prefer the other, how amazing would that be? And thirdly, our vi- third part of our vision statement is to love Newcastle. Now, this amazing description of who Jesus is should make us want to worship him. It should make us want to read the Bible more but it should also propel us outwards. It should propel us onto the streets of this city, into our streets, into our workplaces, into our classrooms to talk about Jesus. If we're to have the same mindset as that of Jesus who humbled himself, we too should humble ourselves for the sake of the gospel. And sometimes that will be uncomfortable. Sometimes we'll stand out like a sore thumb because we, we worship and think a little bit differently to everybody else. But we're called to empty ourselves for this fantastic city that we've been called to. And God's promise is that as we empty ourselves, as we pour our, ourselves out for the sake of others, he will constantly fill us with the power and the authority that comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm just conscious there's lots of new students here today. Let me just say this to you, if you are a new student. You have been called by God to this city. And you have been called by God to study the degree that it is that you're doing. But you've been called by God to this place for more than just to study and do a degree. You've been called by God to this place, to your halls of residence, and to your course so that you might reveal the glory of the person of Jesus to your housemates, your coursemates, your lecturers, the people that you're living with. You've been called here, whether it be for three years or for the rest of your life, to see this city and this region transformed by the good news of Jesus. And if that's true, which I think it is, because God's sovereign over everything, then that should completely change um, the, the mindset that we have when we're walking into university. We can walk into university thinking, gosh, I'm I'm carrying all of the glory and the goodness of Jesus with me into this lecture. And this isn't just for students, this is true for those of us that are staying at home and bringing up children, for those of us that are working jobs in the city, for those of us that are doctors or dentists or teachers. Wherever it is that we go, we're taking the very glory and person of Jesus with us. Now that changes the way that I approach every day. It changes the way, it should change the way that I walk into a shop, that I walk into a lecture hall, that I walk down the street because I'm taking the glory of Jesus with me. I'm emptying myself. God's refilling me so that others may know that Jesus is Lord. Now, the real beauty of this passage is this. Irenaeus, one of the early church churches and um, leading thinkers, wrote this. Jesus became what we are so that we might become what he is. Jesus became what we are so that we might become what he is. Jesus became sin so that we could become perfection and glory. Now I think the most amazing thought that I've ever had, and it wasn't an original thought, someone else said this to me, but the most amazing thought that I have over and over again is this. When God the Father looks at me, because I'm in Jesus, because I've become what He is through what He's done on the cross and resurrection for me, because I'm found in Christ, when God the Father looks at me, He looks at me with the very same love and affection and devotion as he does his only son, Jesus Christ. For those of you that know and trust Jesus, that's also true for you. When the Father looks at you, he looks at you with the very same love and affection and adoration as he does Jesus Christ. Now if that doesn't change the way that we carry ourselves and the way that we think about our friends and our neighbours and our callings and everything else, then I don't know what will. And isn't that good news worth sharing? Isn't that worth us having the same mindset as Jesus and humbling ourselves and serving the people of this city for? And we don't do it alone we do it together. So for those of you that are new to the city, for those of you that have just started new jobs, we get to go through this together. Our promise to you is that we will be with you to support you and pray for you and encourage you and do life with you and call out the best in you. And we'll remind one another that we're to humble ourselves for the sake of following Jesus, giving our everything for him for building community together, the healthiest community that we can build under the power of God's spirit and that we love this city together. Can I invite you to stand where you are as we respond? So as I said earlier, we believe that, well, this is a promise of Scripture, that God's Word never returns empty. We sometimes sing a song with a line that says, let your Word move in power. Let what's dead come back to life. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit now to apply the truth of God's Word to us as we pray, come Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask Him to transform us so that we might have this very same mindset as Jesus. And so you may want to put out your hands in front of you. There's nothing special about that. It's just a physical sign that you're willing and ready to receive all that God has for you. You don't have to do it. It's just a physical demonstration that you are wanting to receive from God this morning. And we're just going to wait on him. Now because we're a community here, we love to pray for one another don't follow Jesus alone Um, Jesus never called us as individuals he does call us individuals but he always calls us to the church and to community and so just some of those things that I was working through at the end there if you know that you're going through a, a period at the minute where you just need to know that Jesus knows what you're going through and that He sent his spirit to be with you and to comfort you that he might never leave or forsake you. If you just want to raise a little hand where you are right now. That's great. Keep your hands raised. And if you know that God is calling you to Practice these healthy relationships together. Um, That in our relationships with each other, we'd humble ourselves. And perhaps there's a tricky relationship that you're going through right now. Again, you don't have to raise a hand, but if that is you and you want some prayers, you want to just raise your hand with everybody else that's got a hand raised at the minute. And then, lastly, if you want. God to fill you that you might be able to proclaim to this city the glorious truth of this passage. Perhaps you've just had a fantastic conversation with a housemate that you've only just met. Perhaps you're having a great conversation with somebody at work and you just are longing for these people to come to know Jesus. Again, if you just want to raise a hand if everybody else has got a hand raised at the minute. That's great. So we're gonna worship together. Keep your hands raised, if that's you. If you have got a hand raised, the prayer ministry team would love to pray for you. So um, if you could come out um, to where Brogan and Lee are on the right or on the left here, um, just here, the prayer ministry team would love to pray for you. So if that is you, if you wanted to begin to make your way um, to the front, don't leave this place without having had somebody pray for you. It might be the best thing that happens to you today. We'd love to stand with you and pray with you for whatever it is that you're going through and as people make their way to the front for prayer and the rest of us let's worship God together and we'll continue to respond continue to think about those verses that we've read together and let's lift high the name of Jesus let's confess that he's Lord and bow the knee before him